Hello, everybody, and welcome to UFILE's first podcast for tax season 2022. Uh, my name is Ida Celli. I'm your host for today, as well as with uh, my friend, Jerry Vitoratis. Actually, we're co-hosting this podcast. So hi, Jerry. How are you? Pretty good, Ida. How's it going? Pretty good. Are you really ready for the next tax season? Not really, but what choice do we have <laughs> at this exactly. point? I mean, it, it, we're never really fully ready, right? I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, tax season just hits you like a ton of bricks. And unfortunately, we just got to keep at it. You know, we just got to keep going. That's that's the business we're in. We're there to teach people, you know, to produce the software, right, uh, that everybody knows and loves. And uh, we're there also to teach people about uh, topics within taxation. That's what this podcast is about. So what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about the new changes that will be affecting the 2022 uh, taxes, as well as uh, whatever was important on the, the budget that came out in 2022 towards the end of 2022. Yeah, so, I and mean, actually, uh, the first point relates mm. to the budget, uh, the tax-free first home savings account. Yeah, so I mean, there's some items that are going to be that we're going to talk about in, right as you just mentioned. Yes. Now, the first one is actually 2023 in this case, not even 2022. It'll affect 2023, which is the current year that we're in right now, and that is, as you mentioned, the tax-free first home savings account. So, what is it? What's the FHSA? Is the acronym that the government uses for this account? Very simply put, it is a new tax-sheltered registered account in which you can contribute on a tax-free basis. Essentially, anything that stays, any gains you make within this account will be tax-free and tax-sheltered. And uh, the purpose of the account is to help you save money for the, pur for the purpose of a down payment of the purchase of what the government considers as a first home. And I say that you know under quotation because it's a very specific definition of what the government considers as a first home, meaning that the government considers that you are purchasing your first home when either in the year or in the three prior years, you did not reside in a home in which you owned. Okay, that's the key. All right. As long as you meet that criteria, you are allowed now to create this new tax sheltered account called the FHSA. Now, the government kind of borrowed some characteristics of the two existing tax sheltered accounts that we know of, which is the RSP uh, that we know, of course, that are common and the TFSA. Right. Those are the two. And it kind of borrows characteristics of each one. So, for example, any contribution I make to this FHSA is tax deductible. So I could deduct it on my tax return. Okay. And then on the other side of the equation, when I withdraw from the FHSA account, as long as I withdraw for the purpose of a down payment in the purchasing of my first home, then the withdrawals are tax-free, like a TFSA account in this case. So it kind of borrows from both. Okay. Now, the key here is that when you create the account, you must be considered a first-time home buyer. Meaning that essentially, I neither you nor your spouse, and that's the key here, nor your spouse, okay, were homeowners of a property in which you lived in, okay, either in the current year or in the three previous years, okay? That's the key there. And of course, you have to be over 18 and you also have to be a resident of Canada, okay, in order to be able to contribute to those accounts. Now, once you meet that, those three basic criterias, you are now allowed to contribute, okay? And, and the moment you find your first home and you're ready to put a down payment, you withdraw 
from the FHSA and the withdrawal is entirely tax-free as long as you keep meeting that criteria. In other words, the year that you withdraw, you are a first-time home buyer under the criteria that I mentioned before. Now, the key, remember what I said, is neither you nor your spouse. That's an important nuance, which means that if only one of you is eligible, then neither of you are eligible. Okay, for this account and for the withdrawal, because again, it's either you or your spouse, the rule. So we have to we have to make sure of that. Now, the other characteristics of the account is that you can make transfers from the account from this FHSA to an existing RSP account or a new RSP account that you want to create. And the advantage of that is that you could transfer these amounts tax free. Number one, there's not taxable these transfers. And number two, you, they never affect your RSP deduction limit. So you can already see some tax planning ideas that you can do here, especially for those of you who are maximizing your RSP contributions every year and you are considered a first-time home buyer, meaning that you have, you're have you not living in a home that you owned either this year or in the three prior years, okay? That's the key. Now, you could also perform transfers the other way around. For example, if you, ha if you have a, a, a FHSA and you want to transfer to an RSP account, you can do so as well. But when you make that transfer, now you're using up the limits that are set by the CRA and by the federal government for your FHSA account. So what are those limits? How much are you allowed to contribute to this account? It is an $8,000 annual limit, and this is set by the government, meaning it's not based on any income you gained or anything else. It is $8,000 that is set by the government annually and $40,000 lifetime limit. Okay, that's what the government allows in this case as far as the FHSA. Okay, now, like I said, you could transfer either case. Now, if you transfer from an RSP to an FHSA, okay, now in that case, you are using up your limit. The transfer is still tax-free, but you are using up your FHSA limit. But again, tax planning-wise, that could be interesting because if you've got a lot more funds in your RSP than your FHSA, if you're now deciding that you're about to go and get a home, you could perform that transfer and now you can withdraw from that account tax-free when you're ready to buy a home. Okay, and that's where, you know, that's where it comes in, you know, that's where the advantage is. Now, are you required to put in 8,000 every year? No, you could put less than that. And any uh, amount that you, that, that, is, that the, any amount uh, that, that you did not contribute, you can carry forward to the following year. Okay, so for example, you put in five instead of 8,000, you've got an extra three you can contribute in the net in the following year. Okay, you're allowed just like an RSP mm -hmm. account in this case. Now, it is not eternal this account, okay? You can't have it forever like an RSP that converts into a RIF, okay? So if you withdraw from the account, it is a once-in-a-lifetime account, meaning that the moment you withdraw to buy your home, it's closed and it's done, okay? Or if you haven't purchased a home within 15 years of when you create the account. So if that happens, then you transfer simply the funds to an RSP account, okay? That's what would happen there, and you would transfer them tax-free. So Again, a great account, you know, a lot of tax planning ideas that you can do, for example, for those of you who maximize your RSP contributions and you have some extra funds you want to shelter, you know, the, the, uh, an FHSA becomes interesting, even if you're not thinking about purchasing a home in the near future, okay? Because remember that you can always transfer those accounts to an RSP later on. All right. That was 
long. There's quite a bit. There's, <laughs> There's quite, quite a bit, a bit there. on that one. Now, yes. the great news is we wrote a nice detailed article about this on our UFAL blog. You simply go to ufal.ca, go to the tips and tricks tab, and then you're going to see in there uh, UFAL blog option. So once you click on that, we have a really detailed FHSA uh, blog on this, which we just corrected because the government made a lot of changes to, and they made a lot of changes recently to this account. Uh, we also did a video on this on our YouTube page, which unfortunately has to be updated as well due to the changes that the CRA has made. Watch for that coming soon. I will be recording a new one for that. The, basically, long story short, the update the government has made is uh, a lot of people had a lot of questions uh, thinking that, well, there's already the home buyer's plan that exists, right? That you could, you could withdraw from your home buyer's plan in order to purchase your first home from your RSP account. Can you use both? Originally, the government had said no. You had to choose between, a, between an FHSA account or a, a home buyer's plan withdrawal. You had to choose between the two. Now the government amended this and you can pull out from both, okay? Because the government has removed what they call the exclusionary clause, okay, between, uh, between these two accounts. So you can actually use both to purchase the first home. Very interesting. And to follow up. As, yeah, as, as they make it absolutely. more clear. If the government doesn't change it again. <laughs> exactly. Now, the next topic is labor mobility deduction for tradespeople. Yes, yes. So that one is a new deduction on the tax turn. Kind of, you know, similar concept when it comes to an RSP, meaning you're reducing the taxable income you're being taxed on. Okay, that's that's what the deduction is uh, in this case. So the labor mobility deduction, you know, in, in uh, what's called, in, in, in summary is, for any tradesperson or what is considered a tradesperson that is required to travel in order to work at a work site and then, of course, incurred travel expenses out of their pocket in order to uh, work at this work site. So their employers did not reimburse them their travel expenses in order to work at this work site. Then what what this credit, uh, excuse me, deduction allows is to deduct the these travel fees or travel expenses that the employee incurred to travel to that work site. Okay. Now the government caps the amount that you can deduct at $4,000 for all the traveling that had to be done for each works for all the work sites combined. Okay. So what can you claim as an expense if you're a tradesperson working in the construction industry? And that's the key there is that it can't just be any tradesperson. It has to be a tradesperson who works in the construction sector. Okay. So any one of those tradespeople that, that was required to travel to a work site and paid these travel expenses out of pocket, the expenses you can deduct are your transportation costs, meaning fuel or, you know, bus ticket or plane ticket or whatever it is. Uh, the, the second one is any meals that you incurred along the trip. And then, and, and then the third one is any hotel fees that you paid in order to stay there overnight to the work site, which we're going to see is actually a requirement. Okay to be able to claim that deduction all right now uh, when you get to that when they get to that work site they, these employees will need to track now the employment income they've gained at the work site the reason for this is because the government i, I mentioned before the overall deduction you're allowed is four thousand dollars for all the work sites combined okay that they were required to travel for the year okay now Per work site, though, the government imp implements an additional limit, and the limit is 50% of the employment income that was gained at that work site. Okay, so now these employees have to track, okay, what their employment income was at the work site in order to determine what they're allowed to claim as a deduction for those travel expenses that they incurred, okay, per work site in this case. All right, now, 
Anytime the government gives you any deduction for any travel expenses, they usually put a minimum kilometer requirement, whether it's moving expenses, whether it's medical expenses that are not within your region, there's always a minimum. And the minimum for the, for the labor mobility deduction is 150 kilometers. So if you were required to travel at least 150 kilometers to the work site, then you can deduct your travel expenses. The other criteria is that you have to also stay there overnight, meaning that the government requires a 36 hour stay period at the work site. So in other words, overnight, you have to at least stay there for one night in this case. Okay. So that's the key. Uh, that's the key for the deduction. Okay. Um, there has been some rate changes for the home buyer's amount as well as the home accessibility. Uh, yeah. You want to elaborate a little bit? Sure. So, I mean, speaking of first time home buyers, right? So, Continuing with a theme, uh, not only can you, for example, you know, withdraw into the home buyer's plan if you're a first-time home buyer, or withdraw from an FHSA account uh, because you're a first-time home buyer, you also get a credit on your tax return, a non-refundable tax credit in this case, uh, which is which is the home buyer's amount, which ordinarily is five thousand dollars at a fifteen percent clip, as long as when you purchased your home, you're a first-time home buyer in the year. Okay, and remember what what the rule is, right? In the year and the three previous years, you did not own the property that you lived in. Okay, that's the key. All right. So ordinarily it was $5,000 credit. Now the government has doubled that credit to 10,000. So that means that before I would claim 5,000 at 15%, which is $750 as a credit to reduce my tax owing. Now I can claim up to $1,500 because it is 10,000 at 15%. Okay, so $1,500 as a credit. Okay, so that's number one. The other rate change that they brought about is the home accessibility tax credit. And this one is a non-refundable tax credit in which uh, you can claim renovation expenses to make a home more amenable, okay, to, to two specific types of individuals. Either it is somebody who is 18 and over and is disabled or is, or is certified as disabled by, the, by a doctor and confirmed by the government, in this case by the CRA, or it is somebody who is 65 years and above, regardless of if they're disabled or not. So as long as the renovation expenses relate to making the house more amenable, meaning, for example, rails in the bathroom, rails in the shower, uh, what's called uh, like a ramp to get inside the house for a wheelchair, for example, et cetera, et cetera. These are the kind of expenses. Those expenses previously were capped at $10,000 for that non-refundable tax credit. Okay, so it was a credit, which means it, you claim it at 15%. The government, again, is doubling, okay, that credit to uh, to the, the limit of the expenses, in this case, to $20,000 instead of instead of uh, 10,000. Okay, so that's quite a substantive change. It's quite a substantive increase for that credit. It's good. <laughs> now, the government came came about with the Canada's affordability plan. I know that encompasses several things. Yeah. So do you want to go over the main points? Yes. So the Canada affordability plan was three components essentially. Okay. So, so in order, in order to help individuals with, for example, certain expenses and, and very specifically for inflation that has gone quite high, right? In the last, towards the end of 2022 and now in 2023, we have noticed that inflation is really high. So the government made this announcement in order to help uh, Canadians who are struggling with these, with this inflation. So the first component of this was the doubling of the GST credit, which is a quarterly benefit 
benefits that eligible individuals claim by by simply filing their tax return. So as long as these uh, individuals are below a certain income threshold, which is around, you know, for somebody who's single, it's got to be around the 30, 30 to 35,000 range, something along those lines, they claim essentially a quarterly benefit that is tax-free uh, directly from the government. Okay, so what the government has done is for the last two payments of 2022, they doubled that amount for those individuals who were uh, eligible for the credit. So if you were entitled, for example, to $95, they're doubling that 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 amount uh, that you're that you're collecting. That's the first one. The second one was the Canada Dental Benefit, and this is a new benefit, which is a tax-free payment that the government makes, okay, directly to uh, individuals who have children that are less than 12 and in which they incur dental fees for those children and the parents are not covered whether it is under a private insurance plan or whether it is under a provincial medical plan so for example some provinces cover the dental fees of children that are less than eight, that are less than uh, 12 for example where we are from right now in Quebec we're covered under the pro under the public insurance now there are some provinces though that are not covered in this case and and the parents have to pay for these expenses out of pocket okay so in this case you could get the grant or is in this case the benefit as long as your combined income your combined net income you and if applicable your spouse is 90,000 and below Okay, so we have a very detailed article about this again in our blogs, okay, in our UFAL blog. Simply go in there and look it up again uh, in the UFAL blog. You'll see all the details because there's different ranges of amounts you can collect from $260 uh, on, the, on the upper end all the way down, all the way up to like $600, $700 uh, if your income is lower. Okay, so it's progressively reduced as your income goes up, up until a cap of $90,000 where you lose that benefit. Okay, and this, is a, and this is a tax repayment that is given to parents directly. But of course, you have to show proof to the government through the My Account portal. You have to, first of all, apply for this benefit. And second of all, once you apply, you must show proof to the CRA, in this case, that you have actually paid uh, fees for your child that is less than 12 years old. Now, the last one is the Canada Housing Benefit of the Affordability Plan. And this is a $500 one-time payment, which is tax-free, to individuals who pay rent and who are very low income in this case. So for example, if it's a family or a couple, the threshold is 35,000 and below, while for uh, an individual, uh, somebody who is single, it is $20,000 and below. So it's really targeted towards people that, that don't have a lot of income in the year. Uh, and also you must show proof to the CRA that at least 30% of your net income is dedicated towards paying your rent. Okay, and this you do this through what the government calls an attestation-based application. Again, it is through the My Account portal of the CRA site. We vaunt this, uh, this portal quite often in these videos. It's a great portal that the, that the federal government offers. Uh, I, I strongly urge everybody to sign up to it. All of your tax picture, all of your tax history is in this portal. The government makes it great and easy to use. You can amend your returns as well. Again, I'm, I'm being a salesperson now for the CRA, but it, it's a great program. And I, I strongly urge all of you who are listening to this, who are watching this, uh, to you know apply for it. Because as you can see now, the government is requiring you now to go to this portal to apply for these benefits. Okay, so you might as well, even if you're not eligible for these benefits, we don't know what the future holds. Maybe there'll be other benefits that you will be entitled to. My might as well be ready for them and, and sign up for that account. So those are the three programs of the Canada Affordability Plan. 
and they could read up on it on our blog uh, to get more details anyway. Absolutely. So. Again, ufile.ca, go to the tips and tricks, uh, uh, go there, and there's an option there called ufile blog, click on that. All the details are there with all the references. Absolutely. Correct. Now for businesses, there's the uh, immediate expensing of depreciable properties. Yeah, that's the big one. That's the big one uh, this year, especially for businesses, right? And not just actually businesses that are unincorporated. It's also for incorporated businesses as well for corporations. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this uh, measure is applicable to both. Very simply put, because it's quite complex as far as the, all the rules and how it works and et cetera. But very simply put, as is summarized, we, we just, we just uh, were putting up the tax update article very soon now on our website. And we post a link to our professional blog uh, from, the, from our professional site at thompsonreuters.ca, where we give all the details on immediate expensing. We provide the link in the UFAL blog. Okay, now, uh, very simply put, what immediate expensing allows you to do is that if you're a business owner, and you need to buy equipment or other depreciable properties that ordinarily you can't expense at 100%. For example, you buy a desk, right, for your, for your, uh, for your company, right, for your office, okay? That desk ordinarily, you could only capitalize it, meaning you can't claim it as an expense in the year. You must claim it under, under a depreciation expense, which means a percentage of the value of that property every single year. What immediate expensing allows you to do is to expense at 100% in the year you purchase and you put to use this equipment. So I buy my desk for my business in the year, okay? That means that whatever that value of desk is, let's say I paid, I don't know, $500 for my desk, I could actually claim $500 as a depreciation expense. That's what it, that's why it's called immediate expensing. You're expensing it fully in the year when ordinarily I'd, I'd only be allowed 20% of the value of that, of that desk. And in the first year, I would only be allowed 10 ordinarily. So it just goes to show you how limited it is. Now I could claim the full 100% expense. Now, uh, there is a limit to this and not every kind of property is eligible. For example, real estate properties are not eligible for this. Okay. So if you buy a building, for example, for your business, not eligible or for your, or for a rental, for example, that's not eligible. Okay. But, uh, but in this case, there is a limit to the total amount of depreciation expense you can claim for all these properties combined. And that's 1.5 million. Let's not kid ourselves. For most individual businesses, they, they won't come anywhere near that limit. However, if you if you are a business owner, but also you have shares or you control an incorporated business as well, that 1.5 million limit has to be shared between the two entities. Okay, meaning that uh, what's called I can't claim fully 1.5 million for my for my individual business and 1.5 million for the corporation. I can't double up the limit. If I control a corporation and if of course I control my you know personal business in this case, uh, I, in that case uh, I have to share that 1.5 million between the two. Now again, all the details are found in the UFAL blog. Simply go in there and we link to our professional blog. Okay, that we have for our professional product on on ThompsonReuters.ca and we give all the details there as to how it works. And soon we're going to post an article on the mechanics of it, how we actually compute the amount. Great. And I know you're writing that one too. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You're well versed. Okay. The next one is the Canada workers benefit. 
Yes. So that's an administrative change. So, so last year there was changes to that credit where the government essentially increased that credit last year. So in other words, the threat, the eligibility thresholds for the credit were increased last year substantially by $10,000. So as before you, if you made about 30,000, you were single, you couldn't claim that credit. Mm -hmm. Now you can since last year. Okay. So the Canada workers benefit very simply put is a refundable credit. Okay. That is targeted towards workers that have lower income, meaning you know, workers that are around, for example, if it's a single individual, it's about 32,000 for a couple, it's around 42,000. As long as they're below those thresholds, they get an additional credit. And what's great about, uh, about it being a refundable credit is even if you're not taxable, you still collect the credit. Okay. It's not like non-refundable credits where they just reduce your tax owing to zero, and then you can't claim the excess here. If your credit is more than your tax, you're claiming the excess as a refund. That's the beauty about refundable, uh, refundable credits. Now, what the government is doing starting in July 2023 is that they'll start paying half of this credit, which ordinarily you're claiming on the tax turn, as a, as a quarterly benefit is what they're going to do starting in July. So every three months after July, you're going to be collecting you're going to be collecting half of that credit directly in your bank account instead of waiting to file your tax return the following year to collect the credit. So that's the that's great news there because you're basically you're pay, you're getting it in advance. And as long as you're eligible for the credit for the last tax return that you filed with the CRA, then you will start collecting that benefit starting in July directly, but only half. The other half you'll collect when you file your tax return. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah. Now, the other the other topic uh, really concerns the Ontario people, uh, yes. and this is the staycation tax credit. Yes, it's a great term, by the way. I really love. I mean, the I, marketers. I like the term. In, I, like the I term. mean, the marketers, Ontario government, did an absolutely amazing job. You know, of of of, uh, of calling it staycation, which is true. Conceptually, what a staycation what the staycation credit is is that if for, and this is of course only targeted to Ontario residents. Okay, so for those of you who are listening to us, you're not in Ontario. Well, sorry guys, there's no staycation credit for 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 the rest of you. We're in Quebec and we didn't get one either, right? So unfortunately, the Quebec government didn't follow in this case. It would be, it would be great if they would, uh, but essentially, long story short. It's a new refundable credit, which if memory serves me is about 15% that you can claim for any accommodation fees or for example, hotel fees that you pay as long as you took a vacation in Ontario within the province. So the government is trying to stimulate the tourism sector, which as we know with a pandemic got absolutely hit. I mean, they were, they were just absolutely, uh, you know, they were really hit uh, gravely during that, during the, uh, the pandemic. So what this does is that is that, is that if, you're an Ontario resident, you took a vacation, you went somewhere in Ontario and you stayed somewhere, be it hotel, motel, a lodge, a cottage, uh, a vacation rental property, et cetera. You can claim the fees that you paid for those accommodations for the staycation credit, which is like I said, a refundable credit. Again, remember that means that if you don't, if you're not, if you have no tax owing, you're still collecting the credit. They're going to give it to you as a refund. Okay. And, and if memory serves me, it's 15% uh, of that, of that amount. Now, if you're single, uh, you can claim up to a thousand dollars of accommodation expenses. If you are uh, in a couple, if you have a spouse, you can claim up to $2,000 of that credit. So that is, you know, it's a great initiative by the Ontario government to try to stimulate tourism sector. And that's, and that's what they did with this credit. That's pretty good. Well, it, it's it's good for the Ontario. It boosts a little bit their own tourism and helps the the restaurants and as well as the hotels in the area. Yeah. So, 
I think that pretty much covers our podcast for today. Mm-hmm. So any last words of wisdom before we sign off for the, for this uh, this podcast? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, just remember that whatever we spoke about today and then some, because we actually had to keep, I mean, it's, we're already at 27 minutes here, you know, in, the, in this session. And imagine we actually cut things from this, from this video. Imagine we actually have some additional amounts that are on the tax turn that we speak about within uh, our UFAL blog. Okay. So we're, we're about to post right now a tax update session. If it's not already posted uh, a tax week. update uh, blog, which is next week, we're going to post all of this there. So all the details of what you need for anything that we spoke about in this podcast will be on our website, which is ufile.ca. Go to tips and tricks again and choose ufile blog. Okay. And at that point, it'll be the first article right up there with a tax update. Uh, so, so go up there and, you know, get the information that you need, including some additional changes that we didn't even speak about because we, you know, I mean, how long can we make this video, right? Or the, or this podcast, right? <laughs> We're already at practically half an hour. So we had to cut in this case. So there's a bunch of other ones that are in there as well. So, our website has a bunch of information that will help you. That gives you additional information on the uh, uh, on your tax return to 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 be more effective with your tax return. Okay, some tips and tricks on saving you money as well. All right. Now we also have our YouTube page, which some of you are watching from directly. For those of you who are listening to us, you could also watch the podcast on YouTube directly. Okay, just look up UFAL and look at our official page, and we post videos, how-to videos on the software. We also post some educational videos on various topics like FHSA was one of them that we posted, which unfortunately I have to update now. Uh, So there's a bunch of videos that are there to help you, uh, to guide you with your tax turn. And don't forget our Facebook live sessions, which we do. uh, Now we're going to start ramping them up every two weeks. Simply go to like our Facebook page uh, and you can uh, participate in these live Q&A sessions. You could ask me any question you like on the tax turn, and I'm there to answer your questions. So do not hesitate to go on our Facebook page, like our page, and activate the notifications so you know when the next Facebook Live session, uh, so you can participate in it. All right. So if you guys go to ufile.ca, you, you will see the icons at the, at the bottom of the page for our YouTube, our Facebook. So you have easy access from there. Uh, Jerry, thank you very much for taking the time thank and you. answering these questions. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to ufile.ca podcast. Uh, you file your taxes your way. Thank you very much and speak to you next time.